Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome to episode number 150. We have made it 150 episodes into this relatively new program here on KSL News Radio. I am humbled and honored that you have decided to tune in today. And if I could ask you a shameless favor, we're 150 episodes in. You and I have spent a lot of time together. And if you've enjoyed these conversations that you and I have had over the course of the last six, seven months, would you do me this favor? Would you let your friends know about this show? In, in the world of radio, 150 episodes is still relatively new, uh, and I'm still trying every day to, to get the word out. And if you would be so kind as to share uh, the information about this program, we are on the air each day on KSL News Radio from 1230 to 3. Uh, tell your friends, maybe your parents or your children, and we can grow this conversation that you and I are having here together each day. Now, I took a break. Right Thursday and Friday it was uh, Jason Perry from the Hinckley Institute of Politics who uh, was here hosting this program. I uh, was spending time with beautiful baby Piper and her mom Jessica, and we had a remarkable time. I wish you were there. Uh, I wish you were there. We uh, we experienced a number of firsts for baby Piper at least. We went to the Ute Stampede Rodeo, which was wonderful. You heard me talking about that uh, great event here on these airwaves. It was so fascinating to see. Uh, how Piper, eight months old, little eight months old, standing on my lap as these, uh, as the, the horses would come and gallop past. Uh, she would be locked on following them. It was the first time I had seen her in any sort of live event. And I was so curious as to how she would respond both to what was playing out before us and also to, you know, all those extra things that are going to bombard her senses, the, the sound, the music, the cheering, maybe some of the, the gates crashing. She did wonderfully. She was an absolute rock star. Absolute rock star. Now, uh, social distancing, how did that go? Uh, it could have been a little better. I did notice that the, the, the crowd was certainly in the, in the bleacher areas spread out very well. Uh, not a ton of mask wearing. Um, in fact, I, I probably would have to say I was in the minority, uh, my wife and I, as we were wearing our masks. <clears throat> um, uh, but we'll see uh, how things go. I, uh, I, I have a hard time uh, you know, pointing my finger, or wagging my finger, rather, at places like uh, 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 San Juan County, uh, because as it stands right now, they have uh, sustained zero deaths attributed to the coronavirus, and I think there are under 50 cases countywide still. So uh, they've got something figured out, or they have some sort of resiliency, or uh, who knows what. But uh, the point is, uh, they're doing all right, and they put on a great rodeo. A wonderful, wonderful, fun time. I haven't been in so long, uh, and I've missed out on it. 
what else did a uh, little Piper experience for the first time over the weekend? Uh, well, how about this? You, you remember there was a conversation we had here on this program a few weeks back, and it was about this principle of uh, young people, young professionals fleeing urban centers, big cities across this country, uh, looking for more uh, remote or rural areas, especially now that we have learned how to work productively remotely. You know, so many jobs that typically occupied a cubicle and a desk and a computer. Uh, well, you know, if you've got Internet somewhere else, you can probably do that job somewhere else. I know that's the case here for me. I'm still in the guest bedroom, 150 episodes in. Well, anyway, I wanted to illustrate that point by tracking down someone who has who had literally experienced it, who had lived a very urban and fast paced life, but then decided, you know, maybe uh, maybe. Maybe we would find some more happiness out in more rural climes. Well, uh, we, we tracked down the, the owners and operators of a place called the Ballerina Farm. Yeah, the, the Ballerina Farm, so named because uh, the, the, the female owner, the woman, she was a, a Juilliard ballerina, Juilliard-trained ballerina in New York City. And her husband uh, engaged in, in big city work as well in, in New York City. And after some time and some life experience, they said, you know what, maybe uh, it would be best if we uh, moved ourselves to Utah, got our hands on a big piece of land and started farming. And so they left New York City. They left uh, Juilliard. They left uh, the, the offices of the, of the big cities out east. And they have, for the past number of years, been raising their family uh, here in Utah on a farm. They've been providing for themselves for the most part. Uh, and they have been producing uh, beef and pork products for uh, people who order them through the mail. High-end stuff. It's wonderful. Anyway, I bring that up because uh, Jessica Piper and I had uh, occasion to, to travel out to the, the farm. A moment ago I said uh, San Juan County about the Ute Stampede Fair. I meant Juab, of course, and those numbers apply to Juab. Anyway, uh, back to the ballerina farm. Thank you, Producer Amy, by the way. She corrected me. We were invited to visit this farm, Piper, Jessica, and I, and we did so. And we had planned on, we were going to spend, uh, you know, maybe an hour there, see how it, uh, how it operates, and uh, just get away from the city a little bit ourselves. And what we found there was paradise. We found absolute paradise. The lifestyle being lived out there was just gorgeous. We saw the sunset. Uh, we saw... Uh, the big fields, we saw the animals, we got to, to do some of the chores. Yeah, in fact, we fed about 60 head of cattle. Uh, we visited uh, the barn where some of the baby pigs are being uh, fed by their mother and growing. And we also, we also drank milk straight from a cow, which is something that I've never done before. So a first for me, Piper visiting a farm for the first time, Piper's mom for the first time, uh, drinking milk straight from the cow. Uh, you heard it described when we had the conversation with the, the owners of the ballerina farm here on the show. Uh, they have a tradition in their family. Each evening before dinner, they will walk down to where the milking cow uh, resides, and they'll do so each with a mason jar in hand. In the bottom, there will be uh, sugar or honey or cinnamon or maple syrup, some kind of sweetener, and they will uh, hold that glass underneath the cow, and milk, milk, milk till you have it full. And if you do it fast, you get some, some bubbles and some froth and foam on top. That's what you really want. That was the pro tip we got. And so we were uh, lucky enough to, to be a part of that family tradition of theirs uh, when I was taking a break from the show here. And 
Uh, it was amazing. It was delicious. I loved it so much. And it was a wonderful, beautiful escape from, uh, you know, the hustle and bustle of things. It was a great, wonderful escape from uh, the drudgery of COVID and all that. You know, we were safe, of course. You know, we took precautions. Uh, but we were able to, for a time, uh, get away, and it was wonderful. Last thing I'll mention, uh, Piper's last first uh, over the weekend was this. She, her mom and I, uh, sat down at a diner for breakfast, the Rusted Spoon in Perry, and <laughs> and as I was sitting there, I, I ordered a Diet Coke, and you know they, they put a little lemon wedge in the Diet Coke to, to, keep them, to keep things straight. And I thought, you know what, little Piper, eight months old, it's probably about that time. It's probably about that time that we get out the video camera on our little cell phone and we hand her a lemon and see the face she makes when she takes a big bite. <laughs> and so we did exactly that. I got my little iPhone there. I put it up to her face and I handed her a lemon. And uh, she, she chowed right down. The first few bites, the first few bits of lemon juice she got in there certainly were sour. Uh, her face puckered up. Her lips pursed. She recoiled a bit. In fact, I think at one, uh, on one occasion she shuddered a little bit, her little arms wiggling back and forth, <laughs> and I got the whole thing on video. And I think, I, I, I think it's like a rite of passage, so I think it's okay. I shared the video and some of the still pictures I got with friends of mine, and they say, Lee, that's so cruel. How could you do that? I think, I think you've probably done this, right? You gave your child a lemon at some age. <laughs> and, and stood around watching to see uh, what that reaction would be. Well, we did it. I'll post some of the pictures in just a moment on my Facebook page. I'd invite you to have a look at that, please. It's Lee Lonsberry up in the corner of the profile image. You'll see live mic. So click on that, like it, follow it, share it with your friends. And, uh, and please, uh, in, in a moment when I post these photos up here, uh, please enjoy those. Now, why did I spend so much time? Why have I just spent the last almost 10 minutes talking to you about uh, my little baby daughter? You know, some of the stories were cute. Some of the experiences were neat. Uh, maybe you can relate to them. But, uh, but this is like a current events-driven show, right? I should be talking about politics and the news and the president and schools reopening and COVID and all that. I should be talking about that interview on Fox News between the president and Chris Wallace. Well, we'll get to that later. Right now, though, I wanted to share with you how, uh, how much joy... I got from my little baby daughter. And it was a joy that nine months ago, before she was born, I couldn't comprehend or understand. But I understand it now. And I would, if you uh, are on the fence as to whether or not to have a child of your own, or if you're in that uh, point of decision-making in your life, uh, I'd invite you to join this club. And the reason I bring that up is there's a heartbreaking headline and a heartbreaking piece of information that's circulating right now, and it has to do uh, with fertility rates around the country. And not only that, but around the world. In fact, there are demographers that are looking uh, across the globe right now, and the estimation is that the global population in 44 years from now will peak and begin to sink. We, it's estimated that we are no longer facing exponential growth. That in 44 years, the world's population will peak, and then it will start to decline. And beyond that, there are a handful of countries, some major countries, Spain, Japan included, 
who will see their populations halved in the coming years. What does that mean? How will that impact the rest of the world? How will that impact our country and our economy? We'll dive into those questions next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.